Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Connie Cow is an urban gardener and has transformed her inner-city Melbourne backyard into a thriving urban oasis, producing everything from cucumelons to pumpkins and so many different types of berries. In this episode, we hear what got Connie into gardening and she shares her top tips for gardening in small spaces and also pest control. So Connie, thank you so much for joining me. So have you always had a green thumb or how did you get into gardening? Hey Lottie, thanks so much for having me. So I guess I've always kind of been into kind of nature and gardening as I was a kid. Like one of my earliest memories probably was when I was maybe in prep, me and my friend, we'd kind of go around the school gardens every lunchtime and I'd pick up little like gum nuts or little you know, eucalyptus leaves that were pink and I kind of collect them like in my little basket that I would make. So I was always like really fascinated with nature. And then I remember there was this one time when I was maybe like grade four, grade five, and we had this little class where we were doing how to grow herbs in the little pot. And so the teacher would take out these little packets of seeds and then she just put it in the pot and then she showed us the finished product which was like these really luscious herbs that were growing and I was I don't know why I was just so I was so in awe like to think that a black seed would become a really big plant and I think just that kind of aspect of nature and how magical I thought it was as a kid got me really interested in plants and like gardening so I remember I planted like my own little pot of herbs I took that home and then that was kind of my first introduction to growing edible food and then when I went home I showed my parents I was like oh I really want to grow more at home so in our place when I was growing up we had a really small garden so we didn't really have the opportunity to grow much my dad was really interested in like ornamentals but he didn't really grow any edibles at the time and then after a few years I think In my late teens, my parents, they moved to a place with a bigger garden. And then that's when we kind of really started getting interested. I told my dad we were planting a veggie patch. We had, I think there was 12 patches already in the garden that was established. And so my dad and me, we kind of set out to start planting our own veggies. We were both quite beginners, but I guess I think my dad had a bit of like experience in it in terms of growing up in China. I think his parents, it was like pretty common to have gardens where they plant their own produce back in the day. So he kind of had that interest as well. So we went together pretty much just trial and error. And when I moved into my own place, that's when I was like, I'm going full on into this gardening thing. And Yeah, that's when I started really getting into gardening. Pretty much everything that I've learned is through trial and error, talking to other people and just giving it a go. 
yeah, and I'm really fascinated in general just by how seeds become plants and how magical nature is. I feel like it's something that people kind of take for granted, but when you really look at it, like nature does this magical thing, thing all by itself with like photosynthesis, and it's really amazing for me. No, I think it is. It's almost having that kind of like childlike nature and holding on to that and the awe, as you were just saying about kind of, I know I get so excited when my indoor plants grow a new leaf and I'm like, this is amazing. I can't believe you've done that. But I think it's so nice to hear you talk about that kind of an everyday level. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it never gets old just watching plants grow. Definitely. So how long ago was it that you and your partner moved into your current house and that you've kind of really let everything take over? So we moved in around five years ago. At first, when we moved in our garden, so we bought the property five years ago, our garden was pretty much a blank slate. It had kind of a few rocks here and there. There are a couple of old garden beds that had rotted out and everything. I guess at the start, I always thought I'm going to create our dream garden, but I never really had a plan for when I would start or like how I would start. And then just one day, a year or so after moving in, I just decided to give it a go. Um, We had a family friend who is like pretty handy and he's quite good at like landscaping and whatnot and he helped us kind of clear the garden and set up a few garden beds and then from there it's kind of just grown I started off with well actually I started off planting in pots whilst we still had our old garden and then slowly we added six garden beds at the start and then a couple of years later we added maybe like eight more and every year I feel like I just keep expanding because there's always something new that I want to fit into my garden That is so exciting. And I think it's a really great time for my next question for you, which is for our audience, if they're a bit apprehensive and they're not really sure where to start when it comes to gardening, what what would you recommend apart from like, it's amazing what you've done, but probably not many of our listeners are going to transform their whole backyard into an edible garden. But if they just want to do a couple of things, what would you recommend? I feel like firstly, you should think about what you really want to grow. So for example, if you have a lot of herbs in your cooking, then consider growing that. Or for example, you love tomatoes and you just want heaps of tomatoes. Look at that because especially if you're like me and you live in an urban space, kind of space is, you know, scarce. So you have to prioritize what you want to grow. Some easy things that I would recommend starting off with would be, for example, herbs. Herbs are really easy to grow as well as in general, just like leafy greens, anything that's like a leaf. So, you know, herbs, they're like herbaceous leaves and then salad leaves, spinach leaves, stuff like that, because leafy greens, they usually require less energy and sunlight to grow compared to, for example, your fruiting plants. So herbs. A salad mix would be my top picks on things to try if you want to just start out gardening. Also, for example, spring onions, which are really easy to grow. If you just buy a supermarket bunch of spring onions, you can pretty much cut the tops off, plant the ends, and I promise you they're invincible. Like they would just grow pretty easily. Sorry, what were we talking about? No, no, that's great because I feel like I have done that spring onion trick and it is so easy and they grow so fast. And once you buy that one 
bunch of spring onions, you literally don't need to buy them again. But I also think it's some really great advice because I think people can get carried away at their local nursery going, well, I want to grow oranges and I want to grow this and I want to grow that. But it does really come back to what your household is consuming because when you do plant tomatoes, you're going to have an abundance of tomatoes. So you really need to make sure it's something that you will consume. Otherwise, you're just going to be left with a lot of rotting fruits and vegetables. Yeah, that's right. And then so for people who you just mentioned kind of not having a lot of space, but if you are somebody who kind of literally only has like a really, really tiny backyard or even a balcony and wants to get into gardening, I know herbs are great, but what are some other things that you can start growing in pots? We've actually got a little balcony in our place as well. So I've been doing a lot of experimenting with balcony growing. If you don't have a lot of space, Herbs, as you said, are a great one. Another one would probably be like microgreens, which you can also grow inside as well as outside. So especially if, you know, you have a windowsill or even on a balcony under the eaves, like if your balcony is has like a shelter thing on top because they don't really need much water. And, for example, you see alfalfa in the shops and it's quite expensive for a little bunch a little box of it, but you can actually grow that really easily. All you need is a really small kind of tray and you just mix it with water and then you get these little sprouts, which you can use in salads and your sandwiches, stuff like that. And pretty much most things based on my experimentation grows in pots. It's just about kind of the sunlight that you have on your balcony. So if you have a really sunny balcony, You can still go for things like tomatoes, but what my tip would be is to go for like balcony, like patio varieties. So they're usually kind of smaller varieties of tomatoes or smaller varieties of certain fruit and veg that are more suited to balcony growing. So for example, tomatoes, instead of growing a really big vine variety, you can grow like a small bushier type, which works really well for balconies. You can also grow, for example, cucumbers, but instead of growing like your regular really big cucumbers, you can get these like bush cucumber varieties as well. In terms of growing in pots, the main tip I would have would be that the bigger the pot, the less you need to water it. So the smaller the pot, the plant will still survive. But I think the main thing when it comes to growing in pots is being able to keep on top of your watering. So especially in summer, When it's really warm and it's really dry, you might have to water your smaller pots a couple of times a day. But if you go for a bigger pot, then it can kind of store the water for longer and that will help your plants grow. So usually if you can, I would recommend trying a little bit bigger a pot to help you with your balcony growing success and to just experiment and see what works for your location because the sunlight is quite important as well. So a north-facing balcony would be very, very perfect. An east and west-facing balcony in Australia, by the way, an east or west-facing balcony would give you half a day of sun, which is also really great. And if you have a south-facing balcony, it's more likely to be shady all day. So for a balcony like that, you can still grow things, but maybe stick to, for example, your leafy salad mixes or your herbs. Yep. So those things that really love the shade. And I think that's so fascinating. I didn't even realize that there was kind of like balcony 
varieties of tomatoes and cucumbers and different things. That's so cool. I've definitely learned something today. Now, when it comes to kind of, I think that sunlight is a really, really interesting kind of tip that you've brought up and is looking at kind of the positioning of everything. And also I think the direct sunlight is another thing. If you have a roof over your head, then you're going to be able to filter that sun. But whereas like a west facing balcony is going to get so much harsh afternoon sun, which will also make it very difficult. So definitely when you are purchasing, looking at the back of the little tags or the back of the seedling packets, which say kind of exactly what sunlight they need, is something as well to be really mindful of because unfortunately you might just not have the right space for whatever you're looking to grow and it's time to find something else. So what are some other kind of tips that you've learned along the way when it comes to your kind of trial and error that you'd share with other people? Yes, um, I think my number one tip would be to look at the three main things well I think there are three main things that go into growing like a really healthy plant I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So there's the sunlight, which we've just talked about. And then there's also keeping you on top of your watering, especially on hot days. But the third one would definitely be looking after your soil. So soil is really important. You can get like a secondhand pot or repurpose a pot for free. But when it comes to soil, I feel like it's really important to look after it and make sure you're really nourishing it because the soil is what makes your plant grow and what provides like the nutrition for your plant. So if you're growing, for example, in a pot, I would recommend using a premium potting mix. And if you have like compost that you're making at home, it would be really great to top it up with some homemade compost or just some compost in general, because I feel like compost is the magic to fixing everything. And yeah, I think you got to make sure the soil is also like really, you know, well aerated so that it's not very waterlogged when you water it so your plants don't drown. But then you also want to make sure it's free draining as well. And then if you just start off with a really good, you know, potty mix, a premium potty mix, that really sets you off on a good foot. The other tip I would recommend is to keep an eye on like the bugs that might come and go. Most bugs, I feel like bugs are great in general because they're just part of nature and they're all kind of part of the ecosystem. But sometimes I think, especially in urban environments, you can get a bit of an imbalance. So for example, if you have caterpillars or butterflies, which are quite common, and I also think is a sign of having an organic and you know healthy plant growing, the fact that the butterflies want to come, You can, for example, net your plants with a little makeshift net or just tie your plants up with a mesh bag around it. That would help protect your plants from caterpillars and butterflies. And just kind of observing your plants every day and making sure you know what's happening with your plants and making sure everything's okay because 
If there's ever a little problem with your plants, it's always best to catch it early so you can take action early before it's too late. No, I think that is some really great advice. And it does sound like a lot, I'm sure, for our listeners when you kind of say, check on your plants every single day. But I think if if you make it into a bit of like a a nice part of your morning routine, whether it's kind of like having a cup of tea or a coffee and walking through the garden in the morning or doing that while you're watering, I think is a really nice way to look at it rather than just adding one more extra chore to your list. But I just wanted to quickly come back to composting and how you were talking about the benefits of composting and in particular soil because I think especially if you've moved into a backyard and you haven't done much planting before having a really good look at that soil even if it's not particularly in a pot it might be in a garden bed seeing how sandy it is seeing how what's in there if there's worms in there that's probably a sign that it's quite great and it's quite healthy looking soil but if it is sandy you might need to again top it up with something else to kind of really help that balance and it might mean delaying planting for a couple of weeks just while you really focus on that soil regardless of if you have sandy soil or clay soil or whatnot I feel like compost is always key and it will always fix anything It does. I'm literally compost's biggest advocate in the whole entire world. And that's why composting at home is great because then you don't actually need to pay for it because you create your own with your food waste. So it is such a good thing to do as well. And then just coming back to the kind to the pests. So you just mentioned that butterflies and like little, I don't know, slugs, which you often see on things like, I don't know, basil, for some reason, they seem to just love basil which just drives me insane because I love basil too what are the other pests that kind of people are dealing with well another one that's pretty common to see around are like your aphids they're little black bugs that they kind of I think I would say they're popular their favorite plants would be like brassicas like for example, your broccoli, your kale, and sometimes you get other small insects like scale or mealybugs. For things like that, don't be alarmed. My go-to is just to get a hose and like blast them off the plant. They're really small and they'll pretty much just fall right off. If that doesn't work and if the infestation is a bit more, you know, serious, then I might just remove the plant or the part where the insects are and just remove that part of the plant and let the rest of it grow. Otherwise, as a last resort, you can make a really easy little spray, which is just soapy water. So soap dilute it in water and then give it a spray and that will hopefully sort it out. But for most things, as long as you catch it early, it's a lot easier to deal with. And another one is probably fungal issues, which is sometimes common in summer warm season plants. So towards the end of summer, you'll find the plants kind of naturally succumb to fungal diseases because a lot of them are naturally occurring in the soil. So what does a fungal disease look like? They're mainly kind of, they're not insects, so that's easy to know. And they're usually seen like white spots on leaves. For example, you might find like your zucchini leaf becomes a little bit spotty. It kind of looks like a mold versus an insect. So I feel like if it looks more like mold than insect damage, then that's what I would classify as a fungal disease. That is pretty easy to deal with in that usually it's just a natural thing that happens towards the end of the season. So you just kind of prune out all the affected leaves as quickly as you can so it doesn't spread. But in general, just keeping your plant well pruned and removing 
some of the leaves during the growing season can really help reduce that and also just watering your plants at the soil instead of on the leaves would help because they're more likely to occur if there's a lot of like moisture in the environment so just keeping the moisture in the soil only <laughs> instead of on the leaves oh and I also wanted to add one more thing I personally don't check my plants every day so it's okay you don't have to do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you have clarified that for us And then with the kind of pests and kind of pest control, I guess, what I'm taking away from all of your tips and advice is to be onto it, be kind of checking in, making sure that your plants are okay. But if you do start to see something, then act fast and don't be afraid to kind of cut that section of the plant out or off or those leaves or also isolating, I think is really important because it's very triggering, but like social distancing is a thing for plants if they are in pots and you can actually do that, then that would be one of the first things that I would be doing as well because pests, they love to move, they love to travel, they're social little creatures. Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy as well because, yeah, isolating a plant can pretty much help the fungal diseases and insects from spreading. So that's a really good tip. No, it is great. And I think I've loved all of your tips as well today because I feel like they have been very tangible and things that I think people can really look out for. So just one, well, two more questions. (laughs) My second last question for you is when we're looking at our plants and we're kind of judging the health of them and we're doing this, we're not going to say daily, but like every couple of day checkup, what are kind of some signs of distress that we should be looking out for? Um, so just looking at if whether your plant looks healthy or not in general, which is quite intuitive. So are your leaves green? Does it look like it's under attack by anything? Is it growing, you know, at a reasonable speed? For example, if your plant is feeling a bit thirsty, it's quite intuitive in that usually their leaves will start to kind of drip and look floppy. And if you give it a drink of water after a few hours, they will pop back up. If your plant is getting too much sun, it will show signs of like sunburn, which kind of looks like scorching of the leaves, pretty much a burnt leaf. So I feel like if you look at gardening from a very like intuitive kind of way, you can pretty much get an idea after a while. You start to see patterns and you'll start to understand, oh, this plant is drooping. It's a little bit thirsty or, you know, it's got some brown leaves and it's in a really sunny spot. So it might possibly be a little bit sunburnt and want a bit of shade. The other thing is just looking at just irregular growth in terms of something being stunted or whatnot. And that would more likely be, for example, like pests or like fungal diseases. Oh, and the last thing would probably be maybe nutrient deficiencies, which would also be a bit of irregular growth kind of look presentation to your plants but I feel like that can usually be solved if you top up with fertilizer or compost or some sort of feed every few months in your potting mixes it should solve the issue amazing no that is great and then my last question for you Connie is what is one actionable thing that our listeners can do tomorrow to help save our planet I think my favorite one would probably be composting I don't know. I also am a really big fan of composting because I feel like the act of composting really puts you in touch of like the food cycle and like plants. And it really allows you to appreciate the food that 
grew and you ate as well as the food wastage. So composting for me really inspires me to reduce food waste, which is a big one because you realise, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes to waste if you're like having, if you're purchasing too much food or whatnot. But then the other thing is it really inspires me to get into nature because you then realise that food waste can be used for good. It's like the cycle of life that food waste can actually feed your plants and you can feed your plants for free. And then the third thing is in composting, you do take that waste out of the rubbish bin, the landfill system. So it also does a really good thing in that it reduces landfill waste. So I feel like the act of composting can really inspire somebody to kind of be more aware of the processes that go behind like food and like food waste and gardening and whatnot. And for me, I feel like when I first started composting, that's when I really became aware of, you know, like the sustainability issues. And it inspired me to in turn garden, make the most of my compost, reduce my food waste. So I feel like it's a great stepping stone to getting started on any journey. No, I completely agree. I second everything that you just said then. And I think it is one of those things that it's kind of coming back to that trial and error and composting is a great way to have a go at doing that and to see what works and see how long, a I don't know, a cob of corn takes to break down in comparison to a little tomato and what happens when you plant it too early. So I think it's, it's really great. And I'll put a, a link as well in the show notes to the Compost Revolution website in case people want to get a subsidized compost bin from the government as well, which I think is a really good way to get started. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Connie. Thank you so much for having me. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 